Hey there, I'm your host, Justin Owens, and this is the Can't Stop Moving Podcast, a deep dive into the life, experiences, and businesses of my very own grandfather, Gary Owens. Each episode, we discuss a different segment of his life or a particular business. He was doing so many different things at the same time, it was really difficult to go in chronological order. So you'll discover quickly that we go off on tangents and down random rabbit holes, but bear with us as I figure out how to interview someone I've known my entire life and attempt to tease out stories I've heard for the better part of 30 years. I mean, we've kind of talked about your childhood and growing up in Oklahoma. We've talked about growing up in Spokane, going to school, some sports. We can always save it for later to talk about your dad or stories about CB um, if you want to. Uh, you know, he, he had his moments, uh, a couple of pretty funny ones. Back in the 50s, on Main Street in Spokane, there was a, it was kind of a slum, bum, Rough area, and there was Old Riches, which was a card place. And, uh... Well, this was... I thought this was downtown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on Main. Main, uh, Riverside, or, you know, down right downtown. Yeah. And it, there were pool halls and kind of a rough outfit. We're walking along the street. This bum comes up to the three of us and says... On the handout, and my dad took his Stetson hat, threw it on the ground, and said, "God dang it, get back on! We're working this side of the street. You get back on your side." <laughs> like that was your corner, and <laughs> his was the corner across. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised us. <laughs> now, now that isn't too far off, because uh, didn't he take you guys down to the card dens and the Places wouldn't he go down and play cards? Well, I started in Oklahoma, and I I didn't realize, you know, we had no money, but Dad always had a little bit of money. Uh, all his life, he had some change. If we need to change, he'd reach in his pocket to get some change in high school and stuff. And I didn't know for twenty years later how how it really happened. Turns out that I went into A and W drive-ins and I bought in with two other guys, uh, Uncle Ray Lamp and his nephew Pat Byrne. And Ray said to me one day, "Owens, are you related to C. B. Owens?" I said, "Yeah, that's my dad." He said, "He's the best card player Spokane ever seen." Wow! News to us. <laughs> uh, when we were in Oklahoma, he had pulled into the Cattleman's Cafe. It was a pool hall, and uh, they had card games going there. And so we'd sit, Larry and I'd sit in a pickup, and sometimes it'd be 30 minutes, sometimes it'd be four hours. It'd depend on how he did. Well, we didn't know what was going on. He was playing cards. So when he gets to Spokane, he's cleaning up. We're That's how we... As he would put it, had a little walking around money. Oh, yeah. 
Huh. Yeah, because money wasn't coming in, but he always had some money. And Ray Lamb said he's the best card player in Spokane. Wow. <laughs> now, it's just a, occurring to me, like, we kind of glossed over this, but when your dad had that back surgery and he had it in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you and Larry stayed in Spokane. You mm-hmm. guys had to keep running the farm. Yeah. And the first year... um. You had family stay with you. and Aunt Lara and Uncle Lawrence. And you guys weren't too uh, keen on that the next year, right? Well, we just didn't do it alone because um, Uncle Lawrence was, he was six foot tall, six foot six, 400 pounds. He's not Pretty real big. ambitious. <laughs> this is Butch's grandpa, Butch and Jerry. Merlin Judd. He'd get us up at 4.30, 4, 4, 4.30. He'd, the big guy, he had bushy hair, and he'd sit there and rock and comb comb that hair and sit by, get the wood stove going and heat the house up a little bit. And he'd call us, get us up, we'd go milk 10, 12 cows, come back, and learn, cook us breakfast, we'd go to school. So we, we, we worked like men when we were young kids. We just learned to work and milk and farm and do it all. Because Dad couldn't do much. So, I mean, that doesn't sound too bad. How did it go uh, on your own to, what, middle school, high school boys? Hmm. How old were you when you lived on your own? Oh, that winter. Probably freshman. Freshman Lo- in high Lois Bonser would bring us food. And uh, we killed deer. We had deer meat. The furnace went out. We had a coal furnace. And it burned it up. It quit on us. So we put blankets in the, between the kitchen and the living room. And then the bathroom, we left the kitchen and bathroom door we hooked together. We left that open, closed the bedroom door. So the, we had heat. We had a four-burner stove, electric stove with an oven. By the time spring came, we had burned out all four burners. We'd run one burner at a time to heat it, keep them freezing. We burned out all four burners, and we're... We burnt out the oven. The stove was shot by springtime, but the blankets and stuff kept the house from freezing. We leave the water dripping, but it was a rough, rough time. You know, we learned that's the only fight we ever got in. Larry and I. Things got a little tense by spring. <laughs> so we get in a fight. I nailed him, knocked him out, knocked him up again the wall, and he slid down the wall sitting there. I didn't think he was knocked out. He said he was. But he was no more fights. Now, I mean, there was a time where you guys kind of looked out for each other back in Oklahoma where uh, you're young and... I think you guys had learned some 
choice words from the neighbor kids that were a little... Let me give you another story. Sure. First, we're riding a school bus to Valley Ford, and there's a, a guy named Don Benander, and he later became a in prison half his life or most of his life. But he was a school bully, and he had taken, get a hold of his kids and squeeze our hands. He'd call a little farmer and he'd squeeze our hands. So Larry and I decided we'd had enough of that. And our school bus driver was Polachek, Orville Polachek. We called him Polly. And this, this guy was pushing the limits all the time, tough guy, school bully. So we leave school in the bus and we go down and get on the Sands Road, and he lives about a mile north of Plus Highway on the Sands Road. So we get about a couple hundred yards up the Sands Road, and Larry and I decided we had planned this. We're going to get him, beat the hell out of him. So he's sitting in the second seat on the right, and I get behind him, and I... I got wiggled around in my hand in front of his face where he reached up with both hands to get my arm. And I slid my arms under his arms and the back of his head, and I had him. So I drug him back over in the school buses and had a iron, round iron seats. And then they'd have a back pad with two loops holding to the piece of iron for your back pad back of the seat. So I dragged him back and I had him back on top of that metal round rod, steel rod on the top. Larry takes his elbow and he just pounds his stomach and pounds all the air out of him. And Polly, the driver, he's watching and he speeds up because he thinks we're going to kill him, I guess. But Polly, he's enjoying this a lot. Everybody is because this is a school bully. So how how old were you guys, and how old was the oh, bully? We're in a fifth or sixth grade. Oh wow! So, and he's in a, he's a freshman or something. We might be in seventh grade. I don't know. Anyway, we worked him over pretty good. Dragged him out of his seat. Polly speeds up to the Benander at the top of the hill. Slams on the brakes, opens the door. We shove Don out. Polly takes off. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's the last time he bullied us. Left us alone. He became a criminal later. Spent most of his life in jail. Wow. Stealing cars. He had a sister named Joanne Benander and a younger sister named Sheila Benander. They're all six feet tall. It was a majorette. If you look back at the Lilac Parade, if they've got film of it, they were the majorettes. These long-legged boy, they were the best-looking girls on parade. Well, the only other story I could think of was, I guess the one, and we don't have to go back and do these if you don't want to. It was mainly just like the ones in Oklahoma. I forget the kids' names. But they somehow convinced Uncle Larry to swallow tobacco. Oh, the Klein boys. 
Larry, Pat, and Scotty Klein. They were our neighbors, and their dad was Leo, and Anna was the mother. The mother smoked a corncob pipe. They lived down by the riverbank on the Canadian, North Canadian River, ran by Woodard. And they'd, they'd flood, flood their house. And they had a dirt floor in their house, and old Leo, he had to hang his arm over the bed to see how high the water was during the floods. You know, whether they had a problem or not. So it just flooded uh, every spring. And the river, if you look at the river now, it's all filled in with silt that's flat. So when a little flood comes up, it's wide, and it come up to their house. But those boys were raised pretty rough, and they knew they had a different vocabulary. Mom was real religious, and she wanted us to go to church all the time, and the Klein boys got a different program going. So we were going to school in a one-room schoolhouse out in the pasture, and we'd walk home after school. Mrs. Shaw and Helen Eileen, our cousins, they would go west, and we'd go east because there was a cow pasture with bulls between our schoolhouse and our house. So we'd have to go a quarter mile east, half a mile south, quarter mile west, back to the house. But the school, Rose Valley Number 6, was in a draw, right in a draw. So there, when the girls went their direction, they'd go climb this with a Mrs. Shaw would drive them. They'd climb that hill going that way. We'd walk the other way with the Klein boys and the camels and go the other direction. And But we couldn't cross straight across because of the bulls. So Klein boys, they smoked, they drank, they chewed tobacco. At, uh, at what age was this they were doing it? Oh, the, they would have been in the eighth grade. Oh. Great, we're in great the first, influences. We're in the second grade. So, um, they get out of school and they stick their wad in their mouth and chewing and spitting. And did you want a chaw? No, I said I didn't. I said oh, I'll try one. So they give Larry some and he starts chewing on it. He said, "Now swallow the juice. Enjoy it." Mm. Larry swallows the juice. It's about May and hot. In Oklahoma, and sand hot. So we get up over that hill, and Larry swallows the juice, and he gets sick. He don't make it 100 feet, and he's sick. He turned green. And so he goes back. You think, well, he, he needs water. He's wanting water. So we go back, peek over the hill, and Mr. Shaw's still there. So we back off a little, bake old Larry out in the sun a little more. Finally, they left, taking Eileen and Helen home, going that way. We dragged Larry. They dragged him down the hill by the shoulders. Back to the schoolhouse? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lay him under the the schoolhouse. Had water, but it was in a pump outside the school. So we lay him under the pump, and we pumped water in him. He just lay there, and we pump it in, running in and out, wash him out pretty good. And uh, that was the 
into the tobacco. Well, well, before that or after that, L.D. and Garland were our cousins, and they were raised pretty rough. And they came down one Christmas, and Dad had got a carton of cigarettes for Christmas. So the L.D. and Garland talked us into taking one pack out of the carton. So we'd take it, and we'd get it. We were saddle up the horses and go out in a pasture and proceed to smoke that package of cigarettes. Man, Lots of great decisions being made by children. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. so we're riding back. And, Man, I'm sick. And I ride up to the house, and Mom, by then they discovered there's a pack of cigarettes going. I'm riding in, and Mom comes out, and she's old Gary, you're... You're sick. I just fell off the horse, and she caught me and carried me in the house. Well, now, isn't this all a little hypocritical? Because your dad started smoking and drinking. He was like 12. T- 12 years old. Smoking. Working on a road crew. County road crew. County road crew. That was kind of a unique deal, wasn't it? Building roads. Grandpa was a doctor. And so Uncle John was a, the oldest boy, and he was tough. He drank, and one time there was a male school teacher, a man school teacher, and got cross-threaded with Uncle John, and Uncle John beat the hell out of him and left school. <laughs> How old was he? High school. But your dad, wasn't oh, he Oh, they were building that? a road, and and uh, they had slips. Grandpa would send him out. 12 years old with a slip and a team of horses. And a slip is like a wheelbarrow, only it's got a blade, got two handles and a blade, and you skim the dirt off, fill the slip, take it to where you want, and dump it. They're building the county roads. And one day, uh, two black cars come by. All the cars were black back then. Two cars came by and stopped, and it Gave him cold beers, and it was Pretty Boy Floyd and his outlaw gang. You ever heard of Pretty Boy Floyd? Yeah. Interesting. Now, you said your your grandfather was a doctor, and uh, he was born in Iowa. 1857. 1857. So he he had some, I mean, he had a really unique life in itself. Um, he he had a family, uh, two or three kids and a wife, and they died of smallpox or something. He lost his family, so he became a doctor. Doc Owens, he lived to be 92 years old, and he practiced out of his house when he was 90. Now, he, but, he had gotten a, he had went to school for like, to be a chiropractor, but yeah. He ended up being a country doctor. Osteopath. You know, osteopath. But he, he delivered could, everyone's babies. and He did it all. He could, mm-hmm. But he couldn't write prescriptions. He wasn't a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. But people would, he delivered babies. He One time, a guy named Cleve Pettengill was hauling a wagon full of wheat and he crossed the Cimarron River, 
in some way bounced him off his seat and a tire, the wooden steel tire of the wheat wagon ran over his middle and they brought old Cleve in to Grandpa and Grandpa opened him up, tipped him up, run the blood out, sold him back up and old Cleve lived. I'm sorry, he got bumped out of the seat, yeah, fell underneath the truck, got car, run over. You know, a team of horses pulling a wheat wagon. Oh, okay. So it was, it was a team of horses pulling a wheat wagon. Yeah. He got bounced off the that front yeah. seat of the yeah, wagon. In the creek, yeah. I see. I mean, we can wrap up for today if you want. I mean, this is... This is pretty good. You could go a little more. I mean, there's, there's, I know there's so many stories, but we can always uh, circle back to stuff or throw things in. Grandpa had an office. He worked out of his house. (laughs) (laughs) Out of his house. He also had an office in Woodard on the second floor of the Baker Hotel. Also on the second floor of the Baker Hotel was a whorehouse. Well, I guess you can't a, choose who your a, co-tenants are. You know? There was a law in Woodard that the sun will not set on a black man's head. There was a law on the books. But there was a black man that worked at the whorehouse, and everybody knew it, and they turned their head. He became very popular. <laughs> I can't. We can't. You can't. Can't. No. No. That. That. You know. If. If Ken Burns was. You know. Actually making this, it'd be different. (laughs) That was actual law. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it stayed on the books until 1952. Wow. All right. Didn't. Didn't the. uh, Hotel owner, okay, didn't Grandpa Owens become, like, the personal physician of the hotel owner, and uh, he traveled with him as well? Like, it wasn't the hotel owner. There was a guy named J.O. Selman, and he, as a boy of 18, 19 years old, he rode into Woodard on his horse, and he had all his belongings wrapped in a canvas behind a saddle seat. His name was Jim Selman, and they called him Jimmy Few Clothes. This is this is on the internet if you look at J. O. Selman up. There's a Selman, Oklahoma, that's named after J. O. Selman. And I remember seeing J. O. Selman. He was a big guy. And the, Woodard in 1947, April 9th, 8.30 at night, a a tornado came through and blew the west half of Woodard away. Killed 1,500 people. No, killed 1,000 people and injured another 1,500. And after the storm, it blew the, there was a bridge when you left Woodard to go to our place. It was a big, long bridge. It blew it out. And I remember... They had a ceremony in J.O. Selman, big guy with a brown, light brown overcoat, 
standing at the bridge. They dedicated the, he, he paid for the bridge, built the bridge back. So his house, he had a brick house, and his daughter, Sue, he had 60,000 acres, and Sue still has 20,000 of the original 60. Which reminds me, we were, I was going to ask you about uh, Grandpa Owens participating in the land rush yeah. in Oklahoma. 1903. Yeah. They had the Oklahoma land rush, and Oklahoma's got a panhandle on it, and the reason it is is 60 miles wide, and it goes from Oklahoma into New Mexico into the Raton Mountains, that's, and that's called no man's land. You couldn't build in that 60-mile strip. And it was so that the Indians could go unharassed back and forth and get game out of that Raton Mountains. And so you couldn't build there. And finally they opened it up for development called the Cherokee Strip of the Oklahoma Land Rush. And they had little stations, kiosks, where you signed in. And so when they shoot the guns to start the race, a lot of people had went out there and they staked it with bottles and stakes and their claim. And so some of them snuck in there and claimed it ahead of time. That's why they call it Oklahoma Sooners. And... uh Grandpa, he goes in there and he stakes out a little claim. Four guys with pistols come by and said, thanks a lot, now you move on. So he had to move on. So he settled in Harper County, Oklahoma. And Grandma became the postmistress of Harper County. And if you go up there today, her post office is laying on the ground. But the roof is still intact, but the building collapsed under, so it's about that tall. Still there. But that was quite a deal to have a, be the postmaster. It paid probably $40 a year or something, or money. But he, he became a country doctor, and, well, people loved him, Doc Owens. And he he delivered babies. He did it all. But he had... Well, and how many acres did he start off with, or did he have at one point? 3,300. And he... Lost it all. Yeah. He had a mortgage at the bank, helping the boys, John... Well, and when the depression came, he refused to uh, bill his patients, and he let them pay with, you know, livestock yeah. or chickens Nobody or whatever. Had any money. So he they came to Washington, and uh, Sunnyside, and that's how we got out here. Is on one of them trips out, they'd come out and pick apples. Grandpa'd pick apples, getting out of the. De- not only was there a depression, there was a dust bowl in Oklahoma. It was a terrible times. They'd hang sheets. They'd wet a sheet or a blanket, hanging over the windows and the doors to keep the 
sand and dust would cover everything. It was a war to keep the sand out. And the sand would drift up again a house, and you'd walk right up on the roof. It covered the whole side of the house. We got pictures of that. Mom did. I don't know whether Larry should have those pictures, probably. I think this is a good place to wrap up. I really appreciate you coming in and sitting down with me and starting this. Uh, I look forward to talking about more things over the next few weeks, um, talking about getting into the drive-in theater, um, working at the Department of Agriculture and the grain elevators, uh, getting involved with A&W, the horse racing, Expo 74, uh, Orange Julius, your, mafia. the Mafia, the apartment buildings, the cattle, and then, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about your Parkinson's and anything else that comes up in between. <laughs> this episode concludes the first conversation between Justin and his grandfather, Gary. To tune into the second conversation, check out episode four of Can't Stop Moving. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download so you don't miss a single episode. You can find Can't Stop Moving podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit us at owensfarms.com and interact with us on Instagram at Modern Farmer USA.